Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. It's an opportunity for us to rejoice and be glad in you, and you've made us day for that. You don't make us days for being down. There's no allowance for anything of darkness in our time. We have time to rejoice. We have time to look up. We have time to cry out to you. If that's what we need to do, we have time to connect with you. And we thank you, Lord, for this divine connection we have with you. Uh, every time we gather together, Lord, it's a privilege and an honor. And we thank you, Lord, to, we are going to yield ourselves to you to hear what you have to say to us regarding health, healing, wholeness, and how to recover illness. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. I should say recover from illness. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> praise God. We're going to continue talking about uh, Hezekiah's prayer and how to plead your case before God. And uh, it, it's a, a um, an interesting story, I think. It's, it's told actually in three different books of the Bible. So if you want to write down Second uh, Chronicles, uh, there's an account of it there, and it begins in, I think, like verse uh, chapter 29. goes on for several chapters. It tells a story about Hezekiah. Then there's Isaiah 38 is where you'll see a nice account of it. And then Second Kings, starting in, I think, chapter 18 or so. Uh, there's, there's information about it, and I was looking at how, how much God, uh, how much time he spends on this because it's a very, very unique story um, as far as uh, things of, of the Word of God are concerned. This is the one person that you can look at in the Bible and say God told him he was going to die and he got God to change his mind. Amen. There's a, a, a stark account of that. How do you get candid a judgment sentence and then you convince God to change his mind. Uh, some of us, you know, you know, like in this dispensation, many people cave in when they get an evil report from the doctor. You know, they don't fight it on a word level or fight it on a covenant level because people are so accustomed to when bad news happens, they think it's all over. You know, what what the natural realm says is law as far as many people are concerned. And, uh, in fact, many Christians don't seek God for healing. Uh, they'll go to the doctor and they, they'll ask for prayer, but are they really trusting God for it and, and seeking God for their healing? Sometimes we, we think we're seeking God, but we're really just wanting the natural to work. Got me? Amen. So, so it's good to know the difference. It's good to know how to press into God for the things that we want. And it's good to know a side of God where you know you can go to him for mercy. Amen. Now, mercy is not a blanket, a blank check to disobey and to sin and run off with the world's goods or, you know, live happily ever after knowing you've done wrong. Mercy has to do with petitioning uh, a an authority or petitioning a power that has the power to to mete out punishment, but you are seeking that the punishment not be given. See, that's mercy. Where you know you deserve, I mean, it's written in the Bible what happens to people who do certain things. 
and you know what the normal penalty is, but then you go to God and you seek him for mercy that he would lift the penalty off of your life and allow goodness to follow you again, allow hope and optimism uh, to spring up in you. And this happens when you when you seek God, number one, for a pure heart so that you can approach him the right way. And the best way I know to do that is to confess your sins. Just confess your wrongdoing. You know, uh, it, people, we live in such a, a world now. There's so many lies being spoken, especially in the airwaves and so many, uh, so much disrespect for, for things that we used to look, look up to people for. You know, people with integrity, people who were honest, who, people who were generous and forthright, loving, kind, and all that kind of stuff. We used to admire that kind of personality. But nowadays, it's kind of not even mentioned or noticed. Everybody's off to, you know, assert themselves. Tell everybody off, get everybody straight, demand respect, demand your rights, demand this, demand that. And so it's, it's kind of challenging sometimes to get down to the nitty-gritty of things because there's so much false information, so many things being perpetrated that just aren't true, and they we hear them all the time. They they get in our thinking. They get in our soul. And if there's enough darkness out there, where do you go for light? See? Sometimes people just don't know where to go for light. And, and they really... The responsibility is on us, the church, because we are the light of the world. You know, it's a nice sounding sounding song, but it's a little tough living it sometimes. Because in order to live as light and salt in the earth, you got to be on 24-7. You know, you never know who God's got watching you. You never know who um, needs the light that you have. Uh, you know, sometimes you think to yourself, well, I'm, uh, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about light because I ain't feeling like light today. You know what I'm saying? But the Bible says there's gross darkness. Even a dim light is light and gross darkness. Amen. And so we, we never, we never should downplay the effect of our witness in this world because people need that truth and they need that witness. So Hezekiah was told, we know the story, he was told by the prophet Isaiah to get his house in order, for God says you will surely die, comma, and not live. So to me, that's really two death sentences. It's like, if you say, well, you'll die, and it's like, well, maybe not. No, you'll die and not live. Amen. So this is it. Get your books together, call the kids, call the whoever else you need to call. Uh, it's all over. And the Bible says immediately Isaiah did what? He turned his face to the wall. That's your closet between you and God. See, you don't turn your face to the wall if you don't have a relationship with him. Because you don't know to do that. See, this is, this wasn't a new thing for him. He'd been facing that wall before. Trust me. And he faced it before and God came through for him each time. Amen? So he was going to, he faced that wall in faith that he was going to be able to move God to move that death sentence off of him. 
and put him back over into the realm of life. And so we went through the things that Hezekiah talked to God about. He said, you can't let me die. He said, people <laughs> people in death don't pray. The dead praise not the Lord. Amen. I can't praise you if I'm dead. Amen. And he tells God something I thought was very, very interesting that we don't think to do many times. He said, remember the good I've done. Huh? Remember the good I've done. How many of us are bold enough? But see, when you have relationship with God, you're bold enough to tell him the things that you never really faced a death sentence that was pronounced on you by God. I mean, this ain't like, like, you know, your drunk uncle threatening everybody in the house. This is, you know, the authority saying it. And so you don't know what you might pull out of your spirit to get that death sentence lifted up off of you. Say, hey, God, I can't go nowhere. Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Who's going to do the other? Amen. There have been people that I don't know if they were Christians or not, but they on the on the basis of I've got to stay here and raise my children have had gotten cures from God. You understand what I'm saying? A terminal illness. All of a sudden it was no more. Because they pled their case before God that I've got to live because. you got to have good reasons for wanting to live. I'm talking about good God reasons. Not talking about things like, you know, no, God's a father. He's got a heart of compassion. If you're a parent and you know he's lost an only son. You understand what I'm saying? They don't want you to go through that. But you've got to find a place where you can touch the heart of God. You can touch mercy. You can know that it's mercy that you need. So Hezekiah, I mean, uh, um, uh, yeah, Hezekiah was not, uh, you know, putting a resume out there that he knew God was going to, you know, bend if he put it, look at all these good credentials. He didn't have that kind of attitude. Amen. He humbled himself. That's how God heard him. God gives what? Grace to the humble, and he resists the proud. So if he was trying to flip out a resume and look at this, God, look at it. Listen, God can raise up rocks to praise him. You understand what I'm saying? So, so, But you've got to know and have relationship with the God that you're dealing with. So what were some of the things that Hezekiah did that he felt were essential, that, that were obedience to God. Um, I made a list of them. You know, we read through that list yesterday pretty thoroughly, but it starts in Second Chronicles chapter 29. 29 verse 3, the first year of the month, he opened the doors of God's house and repaired the house of God. He organized the ministry. Um, I'll give you the chapter and verse because if you want to read it, I, I think it's good to read because if if you can top him, <laughs> you you know what I'm saying. But but he had a pure heart. He wanted to serve. He started out good. Uh, Twenty nine four. He organized the ministry and put the ministers back to work. The Levites were just kind of like milling around doing nothing. They had no job to do. Because the temple of God was in disrepair. In 29.4, he organized the ministry and put the ministers back to work. 29.9 and 10, he brought the nation to national repentance. So he was what we call a revivalist. 
He was like a uh, William Seymour, a John G. Lake, a Catherine Kuhlman, some of these people who had major impact because they paid the price to delve into the raw power of God, to see God restored to honor. And this is what, this is what revival does. Number one, it restores God to his rightful place. See, it's not about, uh, oh, we're having revival in our city. You know how people say, God told us we're going to have it here. Well, you get to fighting over it, you ain't going to have nothing. You know, because strife never honors God. His people, you know, I don't care where it happens. If I can get there, God, get me there. You understand what I'm saying? If you want to put it in my lap, make me able to hold up under the whatever it takes to do it. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to to always carry that attitude that it's for the glory of God that we're doing these things. So he was uh, he brought the nation to national repentance. And ver- uh, 29 uh, verse 20, he reinstated worship in the ordinances and sacrifices of the house of God. 2936, he saw God do a quick work with the people. And this is something that, that is always indicative of God being pleased with your efforts. When he speedily changes things, when you see things changing rapidly, you'll know that God is pleased with what you're doing. In 30 verse 1, he invited the distant tribes to come to Jerusalem to worship. Uh, Israel was under uh, Syrian domination. At this time, there are two kingdoms, Judah to the south and Israel to the north. Judah was small. That's what Hezekiah was king over. It's only two tribes. It was Judah and Benjamin. and and But they, the, the little ones make a big difference. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't matter your size. It doesn't matter how pe- how many people are involved. As long as you obey God, so not only was Hezekiah um, uh, turning Judah back to the Lord, he made up his mind that it wasn't just enough for them. It would They would have to include all of their brethren. The first time he sent an announcement and an invitation around, half of them ridiculed him and laughed at him. But there were few tribes that decided, hey, let's do this. Let's let's repent. Let's go up and worship. Let's get back to what we used to do. Amen. So you never know who's gonna who's gonna bite, so to speak. But you have to give that invitation out. He established uh worship in Jerusalem at, at thirty verse five, uh for all nations, amen. Uh thirty verse nine, he established opportunities for all the tribes to repent and turn to God. He said this out of his mouth to to these these people as he preached to them and prayed for them. He said, God is gracious and merciful and will not turn his face from you. This is what he knew deep down inside of him. See, this is when you turn your face to the wall. These are the things God shows you about himself. Amen? You, I'm, I'm saying this. When you have a real need, you don't need another tape. You don't need another scripture to stick up on your, your refrigerator. You don't need another brother so-and-so's list of 12 things to do. You need to talk to God. And see, when you turn your face to the wall, that means that you don't talk to anybody else. You don't listen to anybody else. It's just you and him. And what he tells you in that closet, 
you can take it to the bank. That's You can book that, amen, and take it with you and spend the money. And so here he is understanding these things about God. Why? Because he served him. And he was sincere in his service of God. He said, God is gracious and merciful and will not turn his face from you. That's how he got people to turn around and begin to serve the Lord. Amen. You know, there's tons of backsliders out here. People came and walked down the aisle of the church, joined the church, and you know, never seen them since kind of things. And you wonder about those people, you know, and, and our prayer should be, and it is, we pray for people who are backslidden all the time. God, bring them back. Turn their hearts around. Don't let them stay out in the cold. Let them know you love them. But, you know, if you get an opportunity to talk to somebody who's been estranged from God, this is a good thing to let them know. Amen. He is gracious and merciful and will not turn his face from you. Amen. He will always let his face shine upon you. Amen. In 30, verse 18 and 19, he was able to pray a pardon for the unsanctified. These are people who were ignorant. They were Jews, but they were ignorant of the ways of God. And they began to partake of the Passover and had not purified and cleansed themselves. Jesus didn't know any better. And that was something that would, would bring the penalty from God. But he prayed for them. He asked, they said, God, please forgive them. They don't know. Amen. And forgive their ignorance. They don't understand your ways. They don't understand uh, certain things about you. Amen. You know, that's a good prayer to pray for a lot of people that don't know what they're doing and don't have, have been deceived by the enemy. Amen. Back in sin again and, and don't know how they got there. You know, it just, just let God, uh, do what he does best. And that's love and forgive people. But, but an intercessor, knows how to bring these things to God in a proper way. Amen. Always understanding, God, there's no deserving here. We're not standing on somebody's rights or or what they're entitled to. But we're all looking for, for mercy from you, Father. So, so please forgive them. Amen. Amen. He brought them to national repentance, sanctified the priests and the prophets, not the prophets, but the priests, he reinstated tithes and offerings so the priests would be taken care of if they came back to service in the house of God. He armed and made captains for war, 32 verse uh, 5 and 6, and strengthened uh, their and encouraged them in the, the arts of war. He interceded with the prophets to counter the enemy's claims against Israel and against Judah. So Hezekiah knew what he was talking about when he told God to remember the good that he had done. But the Bible says that immediately when he prayed that prayer, he began to weep. Amen. Because when you, it, it's it's like this. It, the Bible says the goodness of God leads us to what? Repentance. These things he did out of the heart that God gave him to serve the people with. So he was getting back in touch with the goodness of God. And he wept because he had much to repent about. Amen? So what did he do wrong? We need to look at that and understand why. Gosh, God, this is a list of, I counted maybe like 20 things on this list that he did 
that were revolutionary, that brought the people of God back to God. This is what a, a good ruler is supposed to do. We're to lead people into a, a, a greater walk with God, deeper depths, higher heights, however you want to say it. Nice revelation that you can use. Amen. We're supposed to dispense weapons of war that you can walk out of here today and pounce the devil over the head with. Amen. We are to prepare the people of God for success, for victory, for everything that's needed. And reestablishing worship and reestablishing repentance and helping people to be faithful, to observe the holidays and holy days before God, to live right before God, to live peaceful and prosper where people could go back to their land and begin to expect things to grow and have a big harvest and all of the things. He was putting people who were poor, were maybe out of work, the unemployed, back to work. See, when the priesthood doesn't have a temple to work at, they're, they're, you, they might thug anybody. You understand what I'm saying? It's grab you around the corner and take something from you. You know, people get kind of ruthless when it's life and death. And here were people who were set apart as holy unto God and they were struggling to live. That shouldn't be. You understand what I mean? The righteous should never be without everything that they need or at least is on the way. You understand what I'm saying? And so God saw this. He saw Hezekiah do these things. And so when we we think about what what might have caused him to turn around and turn away from God, you, you have to look at some of the things that, that happened that, that were essential uh, to his growth and to what it was that, that needed to be done. So, let me see, let me find it here. Sorry about that. Okay, here we are. Hezekiah got himself into a little bit of trouble with the king of Assyria. Uh, and, but it wasn't his fault. One of the things that he did that I can tell you really draws fire from the devil is that the northern tribe of Israel, which, which had, had ten tribes, Hezekiah with Judah and Benjamin, he only had two tribes under his authority. So here you see a man who's given totally over to God and it, the idea comes to him don't let this just be something for you and yours. Let's spread it around. So the, the the very act that he sent letters to Israel to encourage them to come back and worship God drew immense fire and pressure from the enemy. Because at that time, Israel was under the authority of the Assyrians. They had already gone in and captured Israel. Here Hezekiah is coming right back into their encampment and saying let these people go see we've seen this before amen you know the pharaohs of the earth don't want you to worship god amen you know it, it used to be i can remember and people people look at me you know these young people look at you and like you fell out of the sky or something like that but i tell them i said i remember a time where a family could live out of one paycheck i remember a time where we weren't struggling as much Amen, as we are now. And we were glad to do it. Amen, that was normal life. But then all of a sudden it looked like something snapped and something happened where all of a sudden it was acceptable that it took two paychecks to run a household. 
geez, I only got water here to drink. I just, well, no, I won't go there. Y'all don't make my alcoholic devil come up here and try to console me again. Y'all better get with the amens or something. Don't be sitting there holding your breath on me. Worst thing in the world is a drunk preacher. We bad enough talking your ear off sober. Amen. You know what? You know, people used to say, can I get you a drink? No, honey, you don't want me drunk up in here. Please no. It'll be this time two weeks from now before I shut up. Amen. So, anywho. <laughs> anywho. Amen. <laughs> but, but it's, it's important for us to understand how these things happen. Hezekiah was really obeying the will of God. He was being obedient to God. When he started calling the brethren, you know, when you're enjoying your life and you know God and you have things that God does for you and you see somebody struggling, what's the first thing you want to tell them? Listen, if you, can I pray for you? No, God wants you to have this and he wants you to have, he don't want you struggling. So come on, let's pray and, and see if God will do something. Amen? Amen. I, there's a, a gentleman that, that does some work, uh, has been doing some work around my house and he would make, make statements to me. He said, he said, you know, he said, every time you call me to do something, I just relax. He said, cause I know it's going to go good. And I know it's because you pray and I know it's because you believe God and I know it's because you understand what I'm saying. People pick things up. Huh? So that's why it's good to be, just flow with the Spirit of God no matter where you are. You know, sometimes people, I see people getting a strife with people that, you know, they're working for you. And people sometimes, they make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. You know, they can be doing something, fixing something in your house and it doesn't work out right. Well, you gonna sit up there and mean mug somebody and, and act all attitude and everything. You better get over here and standing over. Don't do that. You be gracious. You treat them like you a person who's made a mistake before and you have. Always be a merciful person. You don't have to work people over to get them to do the right thing. Well, unless you married to them. Ah, oh, Poppy, you know, just wave or something. I thought you went to sleep on me. No, okay, that's good. So am I now. I'm real good now. No, I'm messing with y'all. But, but you know what I'm saying. You just, you just have to trust God throughout the whole process. Some of them will take longer than others. And sometimes people are just trying to scam you. And God knows how to get rid of them people for you. You understand? But there's that person that might be watching because God has them watching you. Amen? And so I I had mentioned to him, he, he and his wife, they both have their own businesses, you know, and and uh, I told him yesterday, I said, before you leave, let's do a little prayer so we can get your goals set for for this year. And so they got away without praying. You know, sometimes people just want to get their work done. They're accustomed to doing their work, getting on out, getting back to the next thing, you know. And so I thought about it. I said, Lord, we, we forgot their prayer. I said, well, Lord, you know what's on their hearts. You know, it's a blessing. And so anyway, he texted me last night. He said, he said, 
I got good news. He said, I got a job. I had applied for a job and I got it. He said, it's, it's what I really, really want. He said, it's a salary job and, and, uh, you know, with benefits and opportunities to move up and all that kind of stuff. He said, and I know it's because my faith is better because I've been watching your faith. He said, it's encouraged me to trust God more. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and so, this is this is how you live. You you and and you can't live in fear of well what if they take it the wrong way? There's no wrong way to take truth. Do you understand? It's gonna sink in, especially the word of God, it's gonna sink in eventually anyway. You know, if you see people trying to resist the word, you say, God, let that word chase them, follow, let that word follow them, let them think about it day and night. Don't let them rest until they hear and obey and receive that word. You don't send it out to return void. You got to put a, your faith seal on it. Amen. Seal that bad boy up, Lord. Don't let them wiggle out of this one. And so, so it's just good to to know and 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 just rely on the power of the word. Just rely on the power of the word to do and and God's power to do the things that need to be done. So so. Um, Hezekiah brings the king of Assyria, he, he offends him, uh, with his commands for the children of Israel, uh, to come back. And let me find it. Uh, I was looking for it and I stopped looking. It's all good. And second Kings, I think it is. Yeah. I guess maybe I should start at the top. If I have to, I will. Okay, we'll start at the top in verse 1. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the king of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. So this is Israel versus Judah. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. Um, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father did. He removed the high places and broke down images. So not only that list we just read, but these are some other nuanced things that, that we can see that he did as well. It says he removed the high places. Now those are places where they would worship other gods. Amen. And everybody had their own little place where they, you know, little individual places uh, that they went to do their little thing. So everybody was doing something different. You know, God had a prescribed way that people were to worship him, and this ain't it. And so he said, remove the high places, broke the images, cut down the groves. Very bold. Amen. These are bold things that, that, that uh, you know, servants of God do. Broke in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. They still were clinging to that thing. They'd even given it a name. Amen. And so he, he broke that thing up and, and they used to burn incense to it. People will worship anything, folks. They will worship anything. For he cleaved to the Lord and departed not from following him, but he kept his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him. Evidence 
that you're acceptable to God. Things God puts in your hands to do, they prosper. Amen. And he prospered wheresoever he went forth. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and refused to serve him. So Assyria really had made some inroads into Judah because they had taken Jerusalem. They figured we just, you know, this is a smaller tribe of people. We can just go and take them. You can take them if you can intimidate them, but if they rebel, you don't get to take them. So Hezekiah has been holding them off as much as he could, and he smote the Philistines even to Gaza and the borders thereof, from the tower of the watchman, yay, to the fenced city. And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, uh, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalomaster, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. So Samaria's in Israel. And at the end of three years, they took it, even the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is the ninth year of Hosea, a king of Israel, Samaria was taken. And the king of Assyria did carry away Israel to Assyria and put them in Hala in a harbor by the river of Gozan in the cities of the Medes, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant and all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded and would not hear them nor do them. So whenever Israel would would disobey God, they fell under whoever it was they were obeying. Amen? So it opens you up. And this is true now. If you refuse to obey God, you're obeying somebody. Amen? And so that opens you up to be deceived and, and fall into the hands of the enemy. So it says here, Now in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fenced cities of Judah and took them. And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria to Lachish, saying, I have offended. Return from me that which you put, which you put on me I will bear. And the king of Assyria appointed to Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver, 30 talents of gold. So now here we see Hezekiah, Instead of going to God for help, what's he doing? He's bargaining with the enemy. Amen. He says, tell me what I've done. Tell me what I do to make up to you. What do you need? What do you want? Why? Because he's, he's surrounded. Amen. When you got pressure on you, show me what you do. That's so cool. Amen. <laughs> and number one, he's probably not sure how these people made it in. You understand what I'm saying? Because if you're being obedient, God doing the best you can, you know and I know the enemy can still attack you, but he won't prevail. So we don't have a guarantee against attack or against threats or against anything like that. We just know that in God, the enemy will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail. They can come threaten you, take stuff from you, move into your upstairs and you still living downstairs, but have your sights on taking your house back. You understand? And if you stick with God, it'll happen. And he made this mistake. He made the mistake of letting bargaining with the enemy, making counsel with the enemy. And Hezekiah started forking it over. He gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord in the treasuries of the king's house. At that time, Hezekiah cut the gold off the doors of the temple to give to these people. 
Amen. You know how sometimes, you know, I sometimes would preach, I say, oh, the devil will steal your grandmother's gold teeth. You understand? Well, this is one of them situations, folks. They don't care where you get it from as long as you fork over. Amen. It's like, you know, how some people get hooked on drugs. The dope man don't care what you got to do to get that money. He ain't giving you no free drugs. You understand? And so the devil is ruthless. He cares less about what you have to go through. And the king of Assyria, so we took the uh, 17, the king of Assyria sent Tartan and this other guy in the Rabshika from Lachish to the king of, to King Hezekiah with a great host against Jerusalem. And they went up and came to Jerusalem and when they were come up, they came and stood by the conduit of the upper pool, which is in the highway of the Fuller's Field. And when they had called to the king, they came out. There came out to them Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household, Shebna, the scribe, Joah, and Asaph, the recorder. And Rashika said to them, speak now to Hezekiah. Now, you see, this thing that, that leaders do, they send messengers messengers have their own voice that they use. That's why they send them. Jezebel was no threat to to Elijah speaking face to face. But when she saw send him three big burly muscle men to threaten him, he took the threat a little differently. Amen. This is what you got to understand about the devil. He will try and threaten you with the most power that he can. Amen. Why is it always your boss that don't like you for some reason and you don't know how to get him to like you? Amen? You need to know that like is off the table. It's not a necessary component to you getting anywhere and getting anything. Amen? They can like you or not, but you going forward. Amen? Amen? You're going to get promoted and they going to sign for it. Just know that. Amen? Let's just quit being intimidated with these natural things. Amen? That that boss of yours is there to obey God on your behalf. That's it. They don't get to do nothing else. They don't get to take nothing from you or threaten to take nothing from you or put you on no probation or on report. Report this. Jesus is Lord of my life. Amen. If it ain't happening here, it'll happen someplace else, but it will happen. Amen. Don't let your heart fail you for fear. Don't let the devil put you in. You know what I'm saying? He'd do anything. He'd sell and send anybody. So this, this Rapshika guy is pretty talented. He knows how to speak to folks in, in everybody's language. He talked to, yeah, you know I mean, he's just a condenser. That's why he's sent to do the job. Amen. And he says, he said here, said to him, speak now to Hezekiah. You take this message to your boss. Thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria. What confidence is this wherein you trust? Now listen, Hezekiah has given him everything. Amen. All the gold, I mean, they, they've taken the cities, they're, they're invading his cities, taking the people, now they got all the gold, they got granny's, you know, false eye, they got, you know, everybody's 
gold teeth, you know, got your grill and all this stuff. Amen. And it went through to throw everybody's house and got everything that's worth anything. But he's still working these people over. What's he doing? I mean, he's got everything. This is, this is the king of Assyria's servant coming to talk to these people. Why is he talking to the people for? He tells them send a message to the king, but he winds up giving a sermon to everybody who's within earshot. What's he doing? He's destroying their confidence in God. See, you can take everything physically from people, but if they still got God, I still got God. I got symptoms in my body, but I still got God. I don't have all the money I need, but I still got God. Huh? So he's trying to take God away from these people. That's where the real power is, and the enemy knows it sometimes better than we do. You got me? So he comes there and he says, what confidence is this you and you and that you trust? He said, you say, but they are but vain words. I have counsel and strength for war. Where do you get that from? He says, now on whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Now behold, you trust upon the staff of this bruised reed. He's talking about Egypt. He think they're trusting in Egypt. Amen. He says, but, but the Pharaoh is king of Egypt and, and he, it says here, his hand, this reed will pierce every hand that leans on it. So he says, Egypt is not going to help you. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is that not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away? They're so ignorant, he don't even know where they worship. See, the high places, remember those? He tore them down. So this nut thinks they don't have a God anymore. It's amazing some of the things God will have you do that don't seem like they make sense to you, but they totally confuse the devil. Amen. Like many times when Jesus would heal people, you know, making spit out of clay, putting on his eyes, go wash. Amen. The devil's sitting there looking and thinking, what's that about? How's that work? The first person you want to confuse is the devil. Amen. And keep him confused. Learn how to just obey God. Sometimes keep your mouth shut a lot. Keep him perplexed and guessing. Amen. He said, isn't that the same God whose altars you just broke down? He thinks they don't have a God anymore. And he said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. He said, now, therefore, I pray you give pledges to my Lord, the king of Assyria, and I will deliver you. I will deliver thee 2000 horses if you're able on your part to set riders on them. How then will you turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants and put your trust on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Am I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? 
the Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Now he lying on God. Amen. Then said Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, Shebna, Joah, and all of them, says, speak, I pray thee, to thy servants in the Syrian language, for we understand it. And talk not with us in the Jews' language in the ears of the people that are on the wall. So he's aiming to discourage everybody within earshot. So this guy knows languages. He can persuade anybody anywhere to do anything. Amen. And he's purposely talking in the Hebrews' language so that everybody around can hear and get full of fear. Because that's how the enemy takes everybody down. Paralyzing you through fear. Making you afraid that if I step out and trust God with this, even that's going to be taken away from me. Liar. Nobody's ever trusted God that didn't prosper out of it. Amen. If you really trust God. If you just trying something, go, go and sit down somewhere until you get the real trust, get enough word in you to really trust God. And he says, but Rashika said unto them, Have my master sent me to thy master and to you to speak these words? Has he not sent me to the men which sit on the wall? Then he's cursing them, puts a curse on them. Then, then Rashika stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spoke, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Don't let Hezekiah deceive you. For he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Hearken not to Hezekiah. For thus says the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me, and then eat you, every man his own vine, everybody, and we'll all be happily ever after. But you got to make an agreement with me for this. Now, why is that so? Then took everything, they got everything. The only way the devil could defeat you is he got to get your permission. See, he's waiting for you to yell uncle when the pressure's on. God, I thought you told me when I changed jobs, this job was going to be a good job for me. Huh? The pressure's on. He's just trying to get you to yell uncle, let go, and agree with him that it's not going to work out. Pull you out of faith in God. Extract your faith. You have trust. You put all your trust in God. You're invested in him. Huh? What can separate us from the love of God? The devil's words, persecution. Amen. If he can get you to agree with him and give him permission, pry you away from God, So you see why a person who knows God would turn their face to the wall. <laughs> I guess Hezekiah said, I heard enough. This <laughs> man that came up here and talked this stuff almost made me agree with him. He said, it, it, 
bring me a present, come out to me. I mean, he knows covenant. That seals the deal. When you give a gift, you exchange words, you see, they know the whole show. Amen. He says, until I come and take you away to a land like your own, a land of corn and wine, bread and vineyards, olive oil and honey, that you may live and not die. And hearken not to Hezekiah when he persuades you, saying, the Lord will deliver us. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered at all his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arphad? Where are the gods of Seraphim and Hena and Ava? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who are they among all the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand? But the people held their peace and answered him not a word. See, this is good. This is good counsel. When your mind is on fire and the devil is, is driving you crazy, huh? telling you this and telling you that, and you just sat up there like a crazy person and listened to him for at least a good half hour, if not three or four days, huh? and you all worked up and wound up. If you start responding to that, I mean, even in your thought life, you're losing ground. Amen? It's good. I got one thing to say to the devil. Now shut up. And I can, I can tell he's coming. I don't even have to hear a word. I can sense his, his evil little spirit. You got me? You don't listen to what devils say like they could really be telling you something you need to know. Seriously? And the devil's people either. They got nothing you need to know. Amen? If God wants you to know something, he'll send you a letter. Something personal for you. Amen? He'll say, send you a thus saith the Lord. That's why it's good to stay around the saints, folks. I don't care. If, if you stay in trouble, just stay around the saints. If they constantly correcting you, rebuking you, just stay around the saints. Huh? The Bible says when the righteous slap me, it's a kindness. It's, you're a righteous person. Whatever you do is cool with me. Okay, I'll just take it today. I must need it. Amen? But don't you dare go over in the devil's camp. Yeah, he bragging on himself. Look at, you know, this is like when you, you the doctor gives you a diagnosis. And the devil tells, now listen, you know, sister so-and-so, remember her? Y'all prayed for her? And she died. He'll give you all the list of people. he go to cemetery and collect names and tell you people that died. You understand what I'm saying? He got a long resume to show you. And 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 you know you need to be in the Word, but you just sit there and listen to it. Well, you know, who was that that died? I don't even know that person. Well, maybe I should have known him. Who else? What else? What else? So you keep listening. You Somehow on, on a part of us likes to feed the negative till you get good and fed up. But I'm telling you, you don't have to switch after you're fed up. You just switch channels. You 
every right to listen to what you want to listen to. Amen? Paul says, whatever's pure, lovely, good report, honest, praise, Larry, trustworthy. Huh? Well, I don't know if I'm making that up. You need to make something up if you're crazy enough to sit up and listen to the devil all day long. Good gravy. I don't care if you start saying, you know, singing whatever. Someday my prince will come. That's better than sitting up. You know what I'm saying? That'll put you in a different frame of mind for sure. Amen. Praise God. So he he says here, but the people held their peace and answered him not a word. Why? Hezekiah had hit them already. Amen. King told me, he said, whatever you do, don't open your mouth when that man starts talking, when he finishes talking. Why is that? Why don't you want to answer the devil? You know, let me tell you one thing that will happen. He baits us in the conversations. You know, if you start sitting there trying to de- well, you know, sister so-and-so died because she had this and he said, yeah, you got that too. You understand what I'm saying? Bam! Round one. He won that one. You got me? And as long as you do this, put your hand up there for him to grab it and you go to round two, it's going to be bam, bam, bam. All day long, he beat you to death sitting up there talking to him, trying to defend what happened to somebody else. So don't say anything to him. Amen? The other thing that, that happens is that people will get convinced through arguing. That's the main way to convince some people. Amen? That's somehow how people get married. (laughs) I won. Where's my ring? Huh? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Huh? It's the truth. Huh? Don't answer. Why? Because you're engaging him. You're giving him honor. You're giving him uh, authority. You're giving him power. You're giving him credence. Amen? You're giving him place. And he said, the king commanded, tell him, don't answer him. Don't you say a word to him. Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which is over the household, and Shebna the scribe, Joah the son of Asaph the recorded, Hezekiah, with their clothes rent, See, that did all the talking they needed to do. <laughs> they said, oh, king, is serious now. Amen. This man's out here trying to put fear in everybody. Usually, when you go to war with somebody, you deal with the person in authority. This man, this man's smart. He's smart enough to go and try and influence the people. Amen. When you are up against the God, you'll try any tactic you can to get people in the palm of your hand. See, the more people he can convince, the more people will turn against Hezekiah. The weaker they will be trying to defend themselves in going to war. 
So that this is what Goliath did when he went out there in front of the armies of Israel. He just began to put fear in people, fear in people, fear in, and it worked because they were nobody was willing to go out and fight him. Amen. And this this had done gone on for a number of days. So they're sitting there in fear, and every time he opens his mouth, the fear increases. What you are subjected to and what you open your ears to has a, a an effect on you. Even if you say you don't believe it, why are you listening to it? Why do you give ear to it? Amen? Why do you give attention to it? Amen? And so many times we get ensnared by what we allow ourselves to consider. Amen? And so anyway, after this, everybody's this is serious now. I always think about Mordecai when he was Esther's in there and her fine duds and being the queen and all that kind of good stuff. And she looks out the window and Uncle Morty's out there. Said, oh my goodness. Tell him to get out. Go. Uncle Morty, come on. Cuz, go. Huh? We don't do that stuff around here. You do if the situation's bad enough. Amen? You, you get, get low before God. Amen? Tearing your clothes means I'm stripping myself of all pride and dignity. Amen? I am humbling myself. Sackcloth and ashes on your head. I refuse to look good and anoint my hair with oil. Amen? Just forget that. I'm, I gotta, this is, this is turning your face to the wall. This is all part of it. Amen? And, it, you know, when we fast and pray, you know, when the saints fast, Lord, something going to happen because it's got to be serious now, you know. <laughs> we didn't go to dinner, chicken dinner right after church today. Everybody is looking, gloving there. It must got to be serious. It says in verse 19, verse 1, and, and it came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it that he rent his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, Amen. No kingly garments and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. This is how um, Nineveh got a, a reprieve from God's judgment. Amen. Through humbling themselves, the king of of uh, Nineveh called a fast. He said, "I don't want you to feed your dog, your cat, your goldfish. Nobody's eating a mouth of food until God reverses this thing." And God reversed it. Amen. It works, folks. When you when you humble when you humble your soul to God, you don't don't um, allow your soul any kind of enjoyment, things that you would enjoy in the natural. They don't have to be sinful, just things you might enjoy in the natural. Uh, you know, self-denial, that kind of thing. God looks at that and honors it. Amen? You know, sometimes we make light of things like that. But there, there, uh, uh, I remember, what was his name? Mahesh Shabda. Remember him? How overweight he was all the time? That man would fast for 40 days. 
and get miracles. God, he would come into a meeting. The anointing was so thick. Everybody worshiped God, repented, fell on their face. He get a tremendous answers to prayer. Amen? But he didn't look like he fasted. You know, sometimes God won't help you with something so he don't blow it in the other realm for you. You got me? You can be God's secret. I'm not, I'm not giving that as a pass for overeating. You know what I'm saying? I just, that ain't where it's at. But, but he was so devoted to God, he just wasn't in tune with a lot of things in the natural. I don't know what I would do if I didn't eat for 40 days straight. Day 41, you better lock down everything. <laughs> don't make no gravy. The girl is totally gone. You understand what I'm saying? You don't know what effect that. See, until you walk in that, you don't know what that's that's like. Amen? I know what I'm like on the little bit I do. You know, when it's over, it's like, it's over. <laughs> Amen. So anyway, so Hezekiah then, his his, we see what he did wrong. He tried to plead with the enemy for relief. You don't go to the devil's people to get anything. You hear me? You'll regret it. The fact that you you belong to God, they know you don't belong there. So you're a marked person anyway. Amen? They're looking for an opportunity. Oh, we got one of them over here asking us for something? Interesting. You're sure not to get it. Or if you get it, you get it with trouble. Add it to it. Amen? So anyway... Hezekiah said, this day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy for the children are come to birth and there is no strength to bring forth. Amen. We're like dead people. We're stillborn. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of Rabshikah, whom the king of Assyria, his master, has sent to reproach the living God. Now, why is he talking like this? Why doesn't he say it, it might be that God will hear my prayer and help me? He's he's depending on third-party interference for God to get mad enough to come and rescue them. Huh? Why is he going the long way around to get help? Uh, the answer is found over here in verse 18, verse 14. He's pleading with the king of Assyria, I have offended. You, king of Assyria, could you lighten things up for us? He just stripped God's house and everything. Now, I know what most of us don't live like this, but I've lived where I wondered if God was still mad at me about stuff. Do you understand me? you see how easy it is to slip over in there? He knows he should have gone to God about this a long time ago. Why is he slow on his running up to the temple with his prayers before God? Huh? Hezekiah has a little problem with, you know, the big head. He's got all this stuff. Things are going so well. He's got all this power. Amen. He's got all this gold. Got people 
going to national revival and all this kind of stuff. He's got authority, he's power, God's working with him, things are going so well. It's easy to slip over to the other side. Amen? And start thinking that that's you instead of that's God through you. Amen? So he starts getting himself over in there, you know? And he has no recourse by this time. His his thinking is so condemned, he can't tell God what's going on. You know, sometimes you, you don't want to confess things and you hope God finds out and blesses you anyway. You ever been like that? <laughs> I've tried it all. <laughs> Amen? That's how I know of these things. Or you want to pray real quick and, and thank you, God, I receive it, I believe it, before he finds out you messed up your money for the umpteenth time. That's how you got there. You understand what I'm saying? You know, as, as many times as I, I do that, I, I'm, I'm looking at my checkbook and I say, oh boy, I want to see what's left in that thing. You, you understand what I'm saying? You scared to write a check. You think you look at the cash. Look at them cash apps. What have I been doing? Huh? Then you're scared to go to the ATM and push that little button and get a receipt and see where you really stand. Well, I know most of you are just so responsible and you never do things like that. And I'm, I don't want to insult you with my vile base way of doing business, but, you know, I'm there. I have a Merry Christmas. So merry, I almost don't have no money left. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? And I don't want to claim anything, but I've seen people take pills for conditions like that. I'm messing with y'all. Just wake up, okay? Stop it. They looking at me like, uh oh, what's wrong? No, that's it with you. <clears throat> so anyhow, let me go back. I digress. Go back to the word. And they said to him, Hezekiah said, "This day is a day of trouble and rebuke, blasphemy, for the children are come to birth, and there's no strength to bring it forth." I mean, he's out of he's out of gold. He's out of Granny then gave up. He's no granny said, don't come over here. I gave my grill the other day. You came and got that two days ago. Amen. And he says, maybe God is angry at the words of this man. But he never says, maybe God loves me enough to show me mercy and get me out of this. It's like God heard him too. God just come because he's insulting you. I'm not worthy. Take me out of the equation. And he says, <clears throat> he says, and will reprove the words which the Lord your God has heard. Wherefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that are left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah. Good move. And Isaiah said to them, Thus shall you say to your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid. In other words, Hezekiah, nothing has changed. 
I have a covenant with you. I'm going to help you. And not so much for your sake, but for your, for David. I have a covenant with David that goes beyond you. Amen. See, the covenant God has with us goes be, it's from the foundation of the earth. It goes beyond what we do in this life. It was established so long ago. He's got to keep us in the covenant because that would be breaking his word to himself to disown any of us. Amen. And so in, in for forsake us when we have a need. And Isaiah said to them, say this to your master. Don't be afraid of the words which you have heard with which the servants of the king of Assyria has blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him and he shall hear a rumor and I shall return and shall return to his own land and I will call him, cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Amen. So God is saying, Hezekiah, I don't care what you've done. Don't you love that? The blood of Jesus, I find you guiltless, faultless. I have a covenant with you to forgive your sins. How does Hezekiah get for, get forgiven? In verse 19, he covered his head, <laughs> rent his clothes, and covered, he humbled himself. Amen? That's that's good as saying, God, please forgive me. God, please help me. Whatever I need, God, I need it so bad. But that was the sign. That's how you showed your faith in God that he heard you and that you were humbling yourself before him. Amen? And so um, they go ahead and and, uh, uh, let me see. Hezekiah's prayer, I think we need to look at that. Uh, verse 8, so Rabshika returned and found the king of Assyria warring against Libna, for he had heard that he was departed from Lachish. And when he heard say of uh, Turka, the king of Ethiopia, behold, he has come out to fight against you, he sent messengers again to Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Let not your God in whom you trusted deceive you saying, Jerusalem will not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all of them, and all that have the gods of the nations delivered them. He keeps repeating the same thing. Amen? That's one thing you know it's the devil. He never comes up with anything new. When you get bad news, he'll tell you about all the people that God didn't help that got the same bad news. So he always has that for us. He says, have the gods of the nations delivered them which my fathers have destroyed and so forth. And, and Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah did this, went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwells between the cherubims, you are God even you alone and all the kingdoms of the earth you have made you have made and you have made heaven and earth lord bow down your ear and hear open lord your eyes and see and hear the words of sennacherib which have sent they have sent to reproach the living god of a truth lord the kings of assyria have destroyed the nations of their lands and so forth and have cast their gods into the fire because they were no gods 
Now, therefore, Lord our God, I beseech you, save us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, even you only. Does that sound familiar? When David prayed, do it so that they'll know you're God. They're standing here talking to us like we don't serve a living God, a powerful God. We ain't nobody. They messing with you. Amen. And so that's where the battle rightly belongs. Amen. God, I have a covenant with you. These people who are giving me a hard time about, uh, you know, releasing money to me or helping my kids in school or me getting in the right schools with my children, Lord, they're messing with you. This is not my fight. This is your fight. I have a covenant with you that entails that you undertake for me no matter what's going on. Amen? Always learn how to take yourself out of it. Amen? Because the battle is not yours, it's God's. These enemies were God's enemies before you even got here. Amen? You're just doing your best trying to find your way to serve him in a proper way. And so right after this, the the king... And then, uh, where was I at? Uh, 20. Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, that which you have prayed against me to Sennacherib of Assyria, I have heard. This is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. The virgin daughter of Zion has despised you and so forth. So he's talked bad to, to the king of Assyria. Amen. And he begins, God begins to lift him up into the ears of the, himself up in the ears of the king of Assyria. And he says <clears throat> that uh, the Lord says this in verse 28, because of your rage against me and your tumult has come into my ears, therefore I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips like a horse. And I'm going to lead you right out of here by the same way you came in. Do you understand me? That's what the God says to the devil anytime he threatens a child of his. He said, I'm going to put a hook in your nose just like I would a wild animal. And I'm going to lead you right about the same way you came in here. You're going to go out empty-handed. You get nothing up in here. You dare you come in here and talk about me bad in front of my people and threaten my children in my name kidding me you get nothing up in here devil so just i'll lead you i'll do it they are not going to lift a finger against you you think they were coming to pick a fight with my kids my kids don't fight my battles i fight my battles do you understand me all they do is take a stand for me and live the way i want them to live so it it turns out that the king of assyria was in a, a battle and his sons came in and murdered him Amen. He just—he didn't go out to war anymore. And his little buddy, uh, Rapshika, the one that talks so bad and knows all the languages, he went the same way he came in, empty-handed. He got nothing. Amen. So in in chapter twenty, it talks about Hezekiah being sick. Amen. And and then he pleads with God, turns his face to the wall, and it says, God delivered him. Verse 7, Isaiah said, take a lump of figs, and they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. And Hezekiah said, what shall be a sign that the Lord will heal me? See, he's so far from God, he he doesn't even trust the voice of God to reassure him that he's healed. 
Well, nobody here has been in that place. God's never told you you were going to die. You don't know what that might do to you. You understand what I'm saying? You might, you might forget you, who your name is. You say Hezekiah, and you just sit there like nobody said nothing. You understand what I'm saying? I forget your name. So he's he begins to recover. He, he you know, the sundial went back backwards. Then it, this shows here something about, and God gives him 15 more years. In that 15 year period, he messes up again. Amen. He's there bragging on his wealth. Next thing you know, Hezekiah, and they're showing somebody else all the gold that's in the temple now that they've gotten it back. Do you understand what I'm saying? So sometimes these problems don't get that much better. You understand what I'm saying? You're going to always be challenged by your flesh, by fear, by giving up, wanting to give up, uh, coveting. You know, just, you know, you hear enough faith teaching and that you want everything. Do you understand me? <laughs> when you, you might have been satisfied in your three bedroom house. Now you got to have 15 rooms or you ain't in faith. Let me stop. Let me stop. I'm just going to stop. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you for goodness and mercy, Lord. And we thank you that you are the God who prospers us all the time. We are never not prospering. Right now, we're increasing in something. Right now, Lord, you're working to cause money to come into our hands, to cause things that we've worked at to prosper. Thank you, Lord. You're causing us to be built up in you in a great way, built up in our trust in you, able to withstand the wiles of the devil in a better way, Father. We rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus, and we thank you, Lord that by your stripes we're healed. Amen. We thank you so much, God, for your prosperity, your goodness, your covenant of mercy and peace with us, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. Father, let's go one more time to the wall and talk to you and receive what we need. Father, let's turn one more time to the wall and receive what we let us not give up. Even when the last word is spoken over us almost, Father, let us not give up. There's always one more revelation to receive from God, to receive from God, to receive from God. You know, the Lord's showing me that some of you are, are, are feeling faint in your hearts about things that you've struggled with and labored with. You seem like, man, I'm right back here again. I'm back doing the same thing again. Am I talking to the Salvation Army or? Good. No, I'm messing with you. No, I know. I know. You want to hear God's instruction. I don't blame you. But what he's saying is this. He says repetition is not bad all the time. You may feel like you're repeating this over again, but repetition is not bad. Because God says, I see it. I understand it. I know what you ask for, and I know what you have faith for, and I'm gonna re- I'm gonna release it to you as you walk through this again. The Lord is saying, I am causing your steps to speed up, so you're not gonna get stuck in the middle of this, but you're gonna walk right through it. In fact, you're gonna walk on water this time because you're gonna come through so fast and so clean that you won't even smell like smoke. 
You won't have any remembrance of this trial. You won't have any remembrance of any hardship that it may be causing you or have caused you. Because the reward I have for you, I am true to reward you. I am true to reward you. And when you come out, you come out with gold. Not just as gold, but you come out with gold. If gold is what you're looking for in this trial, you come out with gold. And the Lord's saying, you're going to make a few adjustments in your faith. You're going to go with me a little bit longer, but you're going to have to turn your face to me one more time and get the revelation that I want to give you. And you're going to plow through this time when you hit it. It's going to fall never to to rise up again. Never to rise up again. Never! To rise up again, saith the Lord. I make an utter end. (laughs) The Lord is saying the first time you went through, you went through far enough to get what you needed to know to get what you needed. This time, when you go through, I make an utter end. This affliction will not jump on you, rise up in your face, sneak up on you, won't affect you in any way, says the Lord. Amen? You won't even hear it, and you won't talk back to it, and it won't affect you. Turn to the wall, everybody. You're facing this wall. Talk to him. Talk to him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Whatever you have for me, God, whatever you have for me, I want it. I'm going back to the wall one more time. Back to the wall one more time. Back to the wall one more time. This time you'll get it. You'll get it all this time. Say, God, I want it all this time. Amen. I want it all this time. Jesus. It's important to God that we be whole and complete. It's important to Him that we be whole and complete. Sometimes we want an answer to prayer or we want a problem to go away. But he looks at it differently. Not only does he want that problem to go away, but he wants you to be whole and complete. And see, many times in his mercy, he may cut the trial short. But he knows you're going to have to come back again to get your wholeness and get completed in it. Does that sound good to somebody? Because, see, I know there are things that that this last three years has taught me. I don't know if I could have learned under any other circumstances. I was always too busy, you know, to making plans for the next thing I'm doing for God. When you have not much to do for God, you find God. I said, when you don't have much to do for God, you find God. Father, we thank you for completeness. We thank you for wholeness. Thank you for soundness. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for undertaking for us. 
We're not discouraged, Lord. We are greatly encouraged today because you're looking at our hearts now and you know exactly what each person needs and you're giving it to us. God is setting us up for a lifetime with Him. Not the little kitty things that we used to live off of. But He's setting us up for a lifetime with Him. He wants us to have it all. Spirit, soul, mind, body, everything. Everything. Anybody needs prayer, come on up, I'll pray for you.